But I remember the one rule that I always tell myself is, is don't allow your insecurities to dictate your actions. Allow your confidence to because it's gotten you this far. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 81. Today, we're talking about starting a manufacturing web series, or really starting any manufacturing video series or media series. This is an episode that I've been looking forward to doing for almost half a year, and you're going to find out why in just a second. But I got to tell you about our guest today, Eddie Saunders. This guy wears a bunch of hats. He's got a background in theater. He runs an MMA gym. But since this is a manufacturing podcast, you're most likely to know him as the host of the Flex and Friends web series, where Eddie chats with influential and passionate leaders in the manufacturing industry. The cool thing is he's only been running this series for just over six months at the time of this episode release, but he's already made quite a name for himself in a short period of time. Now, Eddie works as the creative director and brand collaborator at Flex Machine Tools, and as I say that, it's a natural segue to share the three things you can expect from this episode. First, we'll get to know Flex Machine Tools, we'll learn about Eddie's background, and how these eventually led to them finding one another. Second, we spend the majority of the conversation talking about content and video creation for manufacturers. We talk about what it takes to get started, why Eddie started it, results he's seen, and really we do all this by discussing Eddie's own story of starting and running Flex and Friends. Finally, I mentioned that Eddie runs an MMA gym. We'll talk about that, some lessons he's learned from those experiences, and you'll learn a few other fun facts about Eddie as we wrap up the discussion. Now, there are a lot of takeaways from this episode, a lot of resources, a lot of things that Eddie's doing. So if you want to access any of that after the interview, you can do that at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 81. That's 8-1. Before we get started, I want to say if you enjoy this episode, if you've enjoyed past episodes, if you've been listening forever but still haven't left a five-star rating and review, well, I'd love you to do that over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. But before I go further, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's done this. Over 75 of you have left ratings and reviews. It's pretty incredible. It's always good getting the feedback. It's super helpful as we continue to dial in topics on the show and learn what you want to hear more about. So I do take that feedback very seriously. I put it to use in this show as we continue to evolve the concepts that we talk about on Manufacturing Happy Hour. Again, if you want to leave a five-star rating and review, it doesn't need to be more than a couple sentences. You can do that on your iPhone or on your desktop by going to Apple Podcasts. Manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes will take you straight there. And now it's time to crack beer with Eddie Saunders. All right, Eddie, this has been six months in the making. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Since we're recording in the afternoon, I'm excited to enjoy a beverage with you as well. Yeah. What a, just out of curiosity, I tried to pick something from your home state of Ohio today. I'm drinking, it's uh this will come out after the holiday season as well behind us, but a Great Lakes Christmas Ale from down the road in Cleveland, Ohio. What do you got? 
Oh, man. I've got your standard bush light rocking and rolling, you know. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong, right? I, I love bush light. That's one of my favorite American adjunct bloggers. Uh, just had some of that the other week. So this is this is a strong start to the show. And, and in the spirit of having a drink, you know, if we were having this conversation at a bar in Ohio or maybe wherever wherever it is, right, Eddie, where would we be? Paint a picture of that. Man, with it, you know, being, you know, those chillier temperatures kind of in Ohio, man, I I love good fireside conversations. And no, you whiskey cigars and and fires are typically always a great environment. I just think like great conversations are had and memories are made and connections are made when you're next to a fire. And if there's a beer involved, it only adds a little bit of texture to it, man. So fireside anywhere, hopefully in a remote location, sharing some beers, telling some stories, making memories. Perfect. So uh, let's say we're having this fireside chat. We're around the fire. Maybe there's some people there that we're just meeting for the first time. You know, mm -hmm. how do you describe what Flex Machine Tools does as if you're hanging around with a group of people around a fire? There we go. I mean, the, the easy route is saying, hey, we are a, a machine tool and machine manufacturer. But in all reality, um, I know that the president would be super proud of me saying this. We are a disruptive growth company, if you will. So even though the catalyst of our disruption and our growth are machines and machine tools, we are truly disrupting the status quo and, and trying to grow by all means necessary. And it's it's really a wild ride. It's a roller coaster of a company, but it, it's quite an adventure. And I think that our outward message definitely genuflects to that statement. Well, I wanted to start in, on a manufacturing note because we're going to take it back a little bit and get to know you first because you have a theater background, right? Like, let's start there. Before you got into sales and marketing and manufacturing, you know, you were doing theater. You know, tell us how how you came to do that. Man, I feel like I was born on a stage. Um, it, from a very early age, a lot of individuals knew this kid is a cartoon. Uh, and I don't know what triggered it, what caused it. I have some really goofy family members that have always supported me and my, you know, enthusiastic personality. And so I've just been really, really lucky. But but from that point, started off actually modeling as, as a kid. Uh, no joke. I would model like costumes that some of my, uh, I guess, mom's friends would make. And then from that, just really enjoyed that stage presence. And I was always acting a fool. And so from that, from elementary all the way up even to this point now, I've been in just countless types of productions uh, and actually so much where, where I love the theater, where I wrote in high school, I wrote a one act play that was not only performed by yeah. my high school, but I had a neighboring high school actually pay me. The guy wrote me a check so that he, his school could produce and, and actually put on that one act. So always something that I truly loved. I just love the idea of not pretending to be somebody else, but to mm -hmm. really break your own perspective and challenge yourself to really be able to entertain others while helping tell a story that's not exactly your own. I see the challenge in it, but I also see so much fun with it. Fun and helping tell a story. I think I'm starting to sense some some, some themes that are going to come out throughout this conversation. I, I have to ask also, are you still doing theater on the side for fun or not as much. I, I love going to local, like mainly high school theater. I love watching high mm -hmm. school theater because you get to see true passion. Of course, everyone loves a Broadway. Mm -hmm. Like I was able to see Hamilton, like, and oh my gosh, that's incredible. And it's awesome to see those professionals be able to do it at that specific level. But man, there's just some, something real gritty, tried and true to me. And maybe it's because of my roots. You know, I spent so much time on the high school musical stage. So maybe I would if I didn't have, you know, four kids and all types of crazy things, I'd jump back on the stage. But I got enough adventures here and I live vicariously through those who can. 
Well, you're also doing a show with Flex and Friends. So you're certainly, I mean, I can see that theater aspect coming through, but I, I have a big question. Given that you work, work at Flex Machine Tools, how did you go from theater to manufacturing then? Great question, man. And so theater has always been like a pastime and a passion of mine. And so with that, I've always been able to take that enthusiasm, being able to channel that energy and kind of being really aware of the presence around me, if you will. Um, I actually spent you know, 12 years in the sales world where, you know, I've been very passionate about marketing a lot of different platforms. And mm -hmm. though my father growing up, he's always been in manufacturing. So I've always been subjected to that and always, not always, I should say there are various times uh, when I was a teenager and even a kid where I would come in for part-time help because I just loved being able to get my hands on something, be able to make something and be a part of that creative and literal constructive process. And so mm -hmm. through all of my general experience, I was able to you know, meet up with the individuals at Flex and they just so happened to have an opportunity that really aligned with, with my goals, with my passion and with my skills and abilities and background. And that was kind of my reigniting into that because I was very familiar with manufacturing and also worked mm -hmm. for actually um, my first big boy job. I uh, worked in business development for an aluminum castings foundry. So okay. I got to see the real raw portion of manufacturing where they're literally melting metal into, you know, preliminary parts. And it always yeah. fascinated me. And it made me realize how much of it is around us everywhere. So mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that I ended up right back in it because it really is just so fascinating to me. So one thing I noticed about your background, and this kind of just popped into mind, like you worked at Verizon, like you weren't always doing sales and marketing in manufacturing. Are there lessons that you pulled from sales and marketing in the non-manufacturing world that have helped you now that you're with Flex and you're deep in the manufacturing world? Of course, man, because a lot of the same rules apply, uh, regardless of the vertical. Now, mind you, there are specific rules when you're, when the different audiences you're talking about. We all know that. You know, you can't have the same conversation with a cell phone consumer as you would a capital mm -hmm. piece of equipment consumer, right? But th the one thing remains constant, Chris, and that's human beings are involved. And nothing mm -hmm. happens until human beings interact. So regardless of the specific verticals or industries that I found myself in, the one thing that was super consistent is being able to be emotionally aware and understand as much as possible human beings, what motivates them, uh, what they're afraid of, uh, mm -hmm. really, and why they make decisions. Because a lot of that across the board is a lot more similar than what a lot of individuals think. It's just what types of conversations are you having? That's what truly differ differs because you are talking, again, about some completely different items uh, on industry to industry to industry. And, and we've talked on the show before about how, whether it's B2C or B2B, a lot of the same rules still apply like you just highlighted, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. now at flex, you run a show called flex and friends. We've mentioned it before, you know, let's, let's go into this a little bit. Why did you start that up? You've been doing it for six months now about when this episode comes out. So why, why start a show, uh, at your manufacturing company? Really? When it comes down to, it, I was inspired. I, I was really inspired by truly individuals like yourself and some of the, the amazing human beings who we get to associate with. And con content creators are in every single industry. They truly mm -hmm. are. And, mm -hmm. and I saw the opportunity to really help some of the amazing individuals that I've met to tell their story 
And mm -hmm. we all know, and we'd be silly to, to not recognize that there are stigmas in manufacturing, all the D's, mm -hmm. if you will, the dull, dark, dirty, dingy, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so I thought there are a lot of amazing human beings in this really broad and dynamic world. And my number one intention was to really help them elevate their presences and like, and really their stories, because there are so many incredible human beings out there. And none of them either are telling their story or they don't know how to. And I thought to myself, if there's a great way where I can learn and connect deeper with these humans, I can maybe understand their problems, but also mm -hmm. help them speak to the expertise that they clearly bring to the table and in turn helping other individuals. It's honestly just a catalyst for conversations and for, for human growth and understanding. It just so happens to be super duper fun. And I'm really lucky to be able to talk with and pick the brain of some of the brightest, you know, most passionate, profound thought leaders in the industry. I'm really humbled by it. So storytelling just came up again. Now, in your, you, I'm sure you had multiple options on what you could have done for a show. You could have done something where it's you and a co-host at, at Flex all the time. You just talk about a different topic amongst yourselves. Why did you go the interview route for your show? I wanted to empower other people. And I know it sounds super cliche and cheesy, if you will, but but that's that's truly I can I can say that to you with a virtual straight face because that's really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I you know in manufacturing in any industry I've worked with, I, I've had the true pleasure of just connecting with amazing human beings because it's really one of my number one goals in this life is to truly mm -hmm. madly deeply connect with as many human beings as as physically possible. And as as I was keeping my eyes and ears open, I noticed man, there are some amazing individuals hiding under digital rocks in mm -hmm. the industry. And, and I also know that one of the biggest mistakes that marketers make nowadays is the eye marketing. And I'm not talking about your, your physical eye, the letter I. And we focus entirely too much on what we think is right and about our products, our services, our features, our benefits. But if we take time to really let others talk, I think, uh, as my good man, uh, Justin Sherman said to me one time, and I'll never forget it, a rising tide lifts all ships. So even though mm -hmm. I'm not talking about my products, my services and things along those lines, I know that helping others elevate their stories and rising their tide is going to lift my ship as well. So it's a very synergistic win-win that in my mind, it was a no brainer. Yeah. No, great way to describe it for anyone listening. Justin Sherman, episode 72 of Manufacturing Happy Hour. He's also been on this show before. Great guy, great episode if you want to go back and hear. Great one around diversity, equality, and inclusion. Uh, another question I have, because we want to give the manufacturing leaders out there listening to this some actionable, uh, actionable advice on if they're going to start creating content, if they're going to start their show, what to do. And I think a lot of the questions you're answering are going to help them do that. So one of my questions is, what did you do before you got started? Because I see a lot of people get held up in the getting started phase more than mm -hmm. anything. So what did you do before you said, all right, I'm ready to pull the trigger and do episode one? Well, a lot of reverse engineering. And, and I'm a big proponent of if you see somebody doing something that you want to do, Mm -hmm. You are foolish if you don't reach out to that individual and ask them how they're doing what they're doing. You and yeah. I had this conversation because I mm -hmm. still have the notes from the conversation you and I had and I reference them every single week. And, and I, I would highly recommend that. And let's say you don't have the gumption or you don't have the, the confidence to reach out to those other individuals. Well, then I would say, keep your mouth shut, keep your eyes and ears open and watch mm -hmm. what's being done. And even before mm -hmm. that, you need to define what your intention is because if you go into it, 
just trying to make content, that's cool. That's all you'll accomplish is you'll just make content. If you have zero intention and you, you forget your Simon Sinek step with start with why, you know, yeah. I think you're greatly setting, your up to, uh, setting yourself up to fail. Not only will you fail to achieve an ROI, I, mm -hmm. you will absolutely fail to achieve an ROE, which is a return on the effort that you put into this, you know, in, into that content production, if you will. So mm -hmm. getting started, you, yeah, great point. A lot of times we say, just get started, you know, <laughs> which is easy. It's easy to say, just get started. But if you're a little timid, really just pay attention, pay attention and truly focus on those who are doing what you're doing, but ensure that those individuals are accomplishing what it is that you're trying to accomplish because every content creator out there isn't essentially trying to uh, accomplish the same thing, if you will. And so we, again, we'd be foolish not be able to look kind of in a crystal ball and see, hey, you're doing exactly what I want to do. So if I can take your model, your skeletal structure and put mm -hmm. my heart, mind and soul into it, what's the worst that's going to happen? You have yeah. some fun, you make some good content, you raise some awareness. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, hey, what I love about that answer is you gave uh, one piece of very straightforward advice. It's, hey, talk to the people that are doing what you think you might want to do. And you also highlighted how minimal the downside is, right? You might do it for a while. Maybe you find out it's not a fit, but hey, you made some connections along the way. So I love that answer. And, and just to pull that curtain back a little bit, I do remember when you and I talked probably, I guess it was July 2021, so about seven, eight months or so ago. And I kind of made a mental note at that time. And then it's, it's still in my LinkedIn messages. Like right after you started your show, I'm like, all right, Eddie pulled the trigger. He's doing it. I'm like, I want to see if you do it for six months. I had confidence you would. And I said, hey, when you hit the six month mark, let's talk about this on the show because mm -hmm. I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. I feel like you need more than a three month runway, certainly more than a one month runway to really start mm -hmm. seeing results. So, I mean, what, what have you seen from since you started and when do you feel like you were starting to get some traction? Man, well, the, the, I guess I'll kind of answer it in a reverse way. So like when, when I knew I was starting to get some, some traction straight up is when it was November of last year, which isn't that long ago. And it's, this is a weekly content series. And I was already like asking, or people were already like asking, uh, as we're getting filled up and you know, booking into April. That's when I'm like, whoa, this is yeah. November and people are stacking up weekly into mm -hmm. April already. Mm -hmm. Whoa, I may yeah. have something at least worth continuing here. And yeah. when, we, when we talk about results, again, my big KPI, if you are, like, I, I guess I wasn't chasing vanity metrics, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. It was really strictly to create more content. And as I said earlier, I'll stick to it. I said the same thing when I started. I'll say the same thing now. And up to the last episode, God forbid that ever happened, I'm gonna say the same thing. I really do wanna elevate and help tell stories because branding mm -hmm. is something that in, in industrial marketing is completely overseen, misunderstood, and really ignored. And I want this to be a catalyst for others. And I want to inspire other individuals. Uh, and, and, I, and I love that you waited in some time because you're mm -hmm. right. Every, every podcast, I think, what was it? Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure has, I think 41% of them have only one episode. Yep. yep. And I'm it's like, whoa. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Obvious Ventures. Obvious is a venture capital firm investing in purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are harnessing technology to reimagine every sector of the economy. We're talking about the basic building blocks of society and life. 
from food to mobility to healthcare, finance, marketing, energy, and more. But let's get specific. Obvious has invested in companies that are taking manufacturing and supply chain technologies to the next level, especially robotic startups like Canvas, and even ones that have been featured on this show before, like Dexterity. Want to learn more? Well, past Manufacturing Happy Hour guest Nan Lee, who leads Obvious's work in robotics and industrial automation, is hosting a new podcast called Machine Visions that dives into these topics headfirst through interviews with industry leaders and startups. You can find Machine Visions wherever you get your podcasts, or you can visit them at obvious.com. And now, back to today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. The metrics are pretty staggering. It's, you know, the, the amount of people that only put out one episode, the amount of people that quit after six to 12 mm. episodes, it's, it's a lot, right? Which is why I, I kind of put my, my window for people jumping on the show. It's like, Hey, I want to see that you're doing something consistent, right? It's not, mm. Hey, I'm thinking about doing something. I love watching the people that are taking action. And, and, you know, just to keep, keep the, let's say the advice going for the folks, listen, listening, you started your show on August 4th, 2021. I think that was the date that you told me. Um, I think he may have nailed it, bro. Like that's solid. (laughs) I I, I mean, I wrote it down, so there's not too much skill behind uh, memorizing it. But the reason I bring that up is, did you think you were starting too late, right? If I look at another thing that holds people up or that I feel holds people up from starting content is a lot of people like, you know what? People have been there, done that already. I'm just, you know, why throw another hat in the ring? Right. So Mm -hmm. how did you feel when you were starting the show mid last year? Oh, that I was 100% too late, that I was 100% not good enough, that people would care 0%. I mean, I'm human. We all have Mm -hmm. insecurities and those Mm -hmm. who say you don't, could probably because your heart's not beating. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like it's just that's the way that it is. So of course I was insecure. I mean, no joke. We wanted I started it wanting to do it every two weeks because I thought that would be an okay frequency and I didn't want to like mm-hmm. overcommit on the content. And sure. now if I if I did every two weeks, I'd be booked until heck December of next year. You know what I'm saying? And so uh and so it's it's provided a lot of confidence in all reality mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just started. And you know what? I yeah. knew at the end of the day that if it only went a month. If it only went two episodes, I was going to give it my all. I was going to maximize it. And if I knew it wasn't right, I would know, but only after I really put forth the the proper effort. Sorry. And so, yeah, of course I was insecure. Of course I thought, man, I'm entirely too late. But I remember the one rule that I always tell myself is, is don't allow your insecurities to dictate your actions. Allow your confidence to, because it's gotten you this far and Mm -hmm. you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to go the rest of your life without failing. So let's embrace it. And just like in the fighting world, put in your mouthpiece, bite down, throw hands. Mm, we're, I, I want to ask you about the fighting world as well in a bit. We're going to get there in a second because no that's, worries, another, yeah. that's, that's another side of you we we haven't covered yet. So <laughs> it, I, I, I kind of one, one advice I give people that are looking to start a show that if, if they're unsure about it, I'm like, you can always set the expectation that you're going to start with season one right? And you can decide after season one, if you keep going forward, it doesn't need to be. And I think where some people struggle is they set it up where it's going to be a show that starts now and goes till the end of time, right? It's just like, it's an indefinite thing. And then they realize the amount of work that goes into it. Another important thing I think you mentioned was the frequency, right? 
you kind of based it based on what the audience was asking for and the demand you had for guests on your show. Like whether it's every two weeks or every one week, it's one of those things that you can iterate as you go. And I think you're a great example of that where you're like, hey, we're looking at every two weeks, but it looks like we actually need to up the frequency. And by the way, if people need to go in reverse, that's not a bad thing either. Just do what your audience is looking for and start getting that feedback. So no, great, great advice. I'd, I'd love to maybe wrap up this part of the conversation with a story. And we've talked about what the past six months have been like for you. Can you name like a concrete opportunity, whether it's something big or whether it's something small, maybe it's just a new connection that's happened as a result of starting the show? Honestly, so when people come in to our facility, because mm -hmm. we sell capital pieces of equipment, right? Mm -hmm. And so everyone can think, what's the ROI on a show? You know mm -hmm. what? Can we equate that to specific dollars? There mm -hmm. may be a way, but in all reality, it's gonna it's not gonna provide you the ROE that we're talking about. But when individuals come into your facility and they say, Oh, hey, that's Eddie from Flex and Friends, and it's a prospect mm -hmm. who's taking time mm -hmm. and they walk in, that's instant relevancy. And that yep. gives our our general prospects as well as customers a chance to really feel and see and hear a human brand representation and they get mm -hmm. to hear thought leaders and they get to be engaged with interesting content like it's it's unreal the amount of general feedback that we get from individuals who were genuinely considering doing business or considering doing business with us who recognize me and i'm just a catalyst my guy i'm straight yeah. up just a catalyst for the flex message that's really what it comes down to and that in itself and going to trade shows as well and having people go to our booth looking mm -hmm. for myself which is yeah. fine. That, that, I say that in all humility, but it's the idea is that attention is out there and we're demanding your attention. And it's yeah. clearly a wonderful catalyst for it, regardless of the vanity metrics that everybody could mm -hmm. chase. There is clear, identifiable evidence that individuals are not only latching onto the show, they're enjoying it and they're very much responding to it. Well, you're creating a strong personal brand that in turn people are associated with so associating that brand with flex. And from what I heard, I mean, these are concrete opportunities, right? I think whoever is running your CRM at flex needs to have a little marker in there that says, saw Eddie thought he was a celebrity, right? So all those opportunities that, <laughs> that you kind of touch in that regard are, are getting the proper influence. No, no. That, I mean, that's, that's a perfect example, right? And, and who knows where these things go, right? Eventually, maybe someone you had on the show becomes a client. That's always something that can happen. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's not just like a one month and done thing and then all the results come in. It's something you got to keep doing on a consistent basis like you've been doing with Flex and Friends. So it's been fun watching you and your show grow. You know, you brought something else up earlier. So we're going to switch gears a little bit here as we get into the, the final throws of the interview. You also run an MMA gym. Uh, yeah. as, as I understand it. So um, for those not familiar with the acronym MMA, Mixed Martial Arts, um, if you know UFC, that's the mainstream version of it. I would think a lot of people that it's, it's mainstream enough that most people would know, but just had to for put sure. that disclaimer in there. Um, but I have a two part question for you to lead this one off. Um, what lessons have you learned from the business of running an MMA gym? And what lessons have you learned from the sport of MMA? So you can take it in whatever order, order you want, but I feel like there are two elements to this that I wanted to dig into. 
Sure, sure. Well, I've done so much in, in the MMA just world, if you will. I've I've quite literally done everything but be a ring girl because I'm not properly qualified. So <laughs> sure. like I've ser I've seriously done it all, you know, and I'm not cute enough. I don't know why. I try so hard, Chris, but <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. I've seriously done it all. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was I was I was gonna make a probably a face for radio joke, something, something, some joke like that. But you're doing great. You look good on camera today, Eddie. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, like from running the MMA gym, um, a, a lot of that came from just developing, you know, my passion. And because I've been I do this, I'm, I was I'm 30 years old now. Uh, I started when I was 16 years old. And so running that business side, like I I've had that entrepreneurial spirit before. I did a consultancy on my own, you know, a couple of years back, mm -hmm. and I've worked for so many entrepreneurs. So that spirit is within me and as well as my father my father's an entrepreneur himself and so that spirit has always been with me and it's always a passion play for me everything that i do is a passion play like the video cast i'm passionate about connecting with other individuals and so that's mm -hmm. just a catalyst for me and it's another passion play so a lot of it comes down to people management you know you know and it's difficult and there's there's a very uh le high level of difficulty because you're marketing a gym experience where you will almost guaranteed get nicked, dinged, you'll sweat, you might bleed. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where that's the first thing in people's minds when in all reality, it's a fantastic fitness experience that's provided in a very controlled environment. And I've learned so much about what makes people motivated and what, what they're like, what uh, they are afraid of and what really drives them when you tell them to put gloves on and keep their hands up. It's interesting to see what a human being will do when you instantly throw them into a fight or flight situation. And to me, the human response is nothing short of fascinating. And that's mm -hmm. showed me a lot about not just how to, you know, compete in combat sports, but how sure. to handle humans in general. Yeah. Yeah. And then from the MMA live, I mean, doing this as long as I have been, I have had my face beat in, you know, so many times. And it's it's truly, truly humbling in all reality. And the number one lesson that I've learned is don't run your mouth to anybody because you don't know yeah. who can choke you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a very it's a very literal example, right? I feel like in the sales world or the business world, you know, when things go awry, we often use the analogy of, man, we totally got kicked in the face on that opportunity, but you literally know how to take a kick to the face. So, uh, no yes. no doubt there's some <laughs> some parallels there. I I have another question for you before we keep going. This goes back to the manufacturing side of things, but I have to ask you, your LinkedIn title as it stands today, the first thing it says is you're the mascot of manufacturing. And I'd love you to tell us what that means. So I was no joke. Um, I was the mascot for my high school basketball team as well. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> and, Excellent. And no, nobody knows that if you will. But the idea is what, what's the mascot's purpose? It's everyone knows what's going on. Everyone knows there's a basketball game being played, but it's truly to entertain, to be something you look at, you like, man, that it just makes you smile. It's more about a presence and an mm -hmm. energy than it is anything. There's a reason why a lot of, um, what should I say, that mascots, technically they can't, they don't have any type of speakers, you don't hear them speak because it's truly just their presence that brings yeah. joy and brings happiness and brings awareness. Cause you can look at a Jersey and not know what a team's mascot is or, you know, what they are, if you will. But as soon mm -hmm. as you see that likable cartoonish type of character that comes out, it, it provides, I mean, it's hard to look at a mascot unless it's an opposing team. Right. And truly sure. be like, I hate that you have bad intentions. <laughs> what are you doing? And yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. I just live vicariously through mascots being a, just cartoons, if you will, but it's the energy they bring the environment mm. they provide and, 
and just the, the entertainment um, that they they bring. And it just it's a good silver lining to a lot of situations. And I'm a sucker for alliteration. I love it. Well, hey, I uh, I knew we were going to talk about MMA. I knew we were going to talk about theater. I did not know that you were also a mascot. So all your story just continues to tie together in such a cohesive way, Eddie. I, I love it. Uh, as as we're wrapping things up, we've talked about starting, you know, starting content, building content in the manufacturing industry. We've talked about your background. Is there anything that we didn't cover, whether it's advice or a question you wish I would have asked that you'd love to go into um, before we wrap the interview? Sure. Well, I mean, above all things, man, um, I mean, there, there's a lot that I have going on and, and I'm super proud of all the experience and diversity that I've come through. But the, the one thing that I am truly the most proud of is being a husband and a, and a father of four amazing and beautiful children. That is that is the light of my existence. Without them, none of the content, none of, none of the smiles, none of the mascot, none, none of none of it matters. And mm -hmm. so as much as I'm known for so many things, uh, the one thing that is at the core of who I am as a human being is being a husband and being the most proud father. Uh, and I, maybe I'm a little biased, but I am such a proud dad. Um, and I absolutely love it. Excellent. Well, any other final advice we have for the folks that are looking to create content out there? You've given them a bunch of fire today. Anything else we uh, we might want to leave them with as a one last piece of actionable takeaways? I just genuinely want everyone to, to, to be themselves. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it, it, in a world full of filters and full of now deep fakes and things along those lines. Yeah. Auth authenticity is truly better than any script. And it's what people genuinely want to see. So if you are a human who interacts with other humans, which makes that pretty much everybody, I mm -hmm. couldn't be more serious about advising individuals to truly be themselves. And if you're a content creator or even thinking about that, then you need to highlight that, write it, tattoo it on the inside of your eyelids, you know, mm -hmm. just to genuinely be you. Because even though we all have different skills, abilities, mindsets, backgrounds, perspectives, I believe that every single human being has a superpower or superpowers of some sort. And you'll never know what those are unless you decide to be yourself. I think it's a great thing to end on, right? We gave a lot of good tactical tips, right? But, you know, I don't want people to psych themselves out thinking they have to have that theater background or thinking they've had to play in a band before or have been on camera to start something, right? Being yourself, I think, is one of the most important aspects about creating that content because that's what people are going to gravitate towards. So, Eddie, where's the best spot to connect with you and Flex Machine Tools, as well as your show, Flex and Friends? Yeah, absolutely, man. Flex and friends coming at you live on uh, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, as many places as we can every Thursday. But flexmachinetools.com, great website. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I love, 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 one more time, love connecting with other human beings on LinkedIn and absorbing their content. So Eddie Saunders Jr. on LinkedIn. Again, check out Flex Machine Tools and also check out our YouTube, some of the coolest and most profound video content in the industry. You heard it here, but Eddie Saunders Jr. on LinkedIn. Love it. Well, I will have where to connect with you. I will have all the links you just mentioned in the show notes page for everyone at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And with that, just want to say thanks for jumping the show on the show, Eddie, and cheers. Catch you next time. Hey, thank you for listening. And of course, a big thank you to Eddie for jumping on today's show. 
If you want to access the show notes to this episode, you can do that at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 81. We've got links to Flex and Friends, Eddie's LinkedIn, Flex Machine Tools, and of course, if you liked the sound of the beers that we were drinking at the start of the episode, we'll even have a link to Great Lakes Brewing in Cleveland as well as Bush Light. Obviously, I'm kidding about the Bush Light link. I'm pretty sure you know where to find that at your local gas station, but I'm not kidding when I say it is one of my favorite go-to beers. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed past episodes, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. It doesn't need to be more than a couple sentences, and you can get there on your iPhone or on your desktop by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you straight there. And with that, let's keep this outro short this week. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.